where the lacrosse area gathers to talk Wisconsin sports. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Join in by phone or text at 796-2558. Now, here's Grant Bills. You know, we spent the last couple of weeks, we've been worrying about the Brewers. We've been worrying about... The Packers, Josh Jones is traded, complaining about the Bucks. I, I think we should have some fun tonight. We're hanging out at Snoopy's alma mater on the north side of the cross. We are joined by none other than the big unit, Bill Michaels. Bill, welcome. You were a, a follow at our station at one point, right? This is true, yes. Okay, and you've been a professional because we got a hell of an echo in this place. This is. And you just kept on plowing through as if it never existed. That is a pro. Well, that's so everybody can hear. That's so everybody can, can listen along with us. And, and we're happy to have you. People are taking pictures as you walk in the door. Uh, it's because I'm wanted on a lot of posters in, in post offices. Sure. And they're all saying sure. if I'm the guy, they can get them at least $25,000 or more. Sure. And Tony, we do have an echo. If you could, if you could handle that back in the studio, uh, I'd appreciate that. Thank you. Bill is a professional, though. Tony's got the headset up to the microphone and just this screwing with us. That's what Tony's he's messing, he's messing with us for sure. So, Bill, I, I, welcome to lacrosse. First of all, and it's great. It's yeah. great to be back. I hate to say that because I sound like a comedian taking the stage yeah, for the first yeah, time, yeah, but yeah. it is great to be back. Uh, the, the one thing I have not done in lacrosse has been uh, to come to Oktoberfest. Yes. That's the only thing I have not been invited back to. So we got to get invited back for that at some point. I know my schedule with the Packers for so many years didn't allow it because yeah. we were always traveling or something. But if we can work that in, uh, we would be happy to do it. But lacrosse is fantastic. And uh, I, uh, I left the studios today. I went to a Big Board Barbecue. Oh, yeah. Went out and saw uh, some great people out there. I stopped over to the Harley-Davidson dealer today and said hi to some people. I went and saw uh, Rick and his beautiful wife, Jen, over at Ollie's, mm-hmm. uh, or Ollie's, I should say, uh, the mini donuts. And I was around town, stopped at the cigar shop. We got a cigar tomorrow night. So I've been all over the place today. Yeah, you've been you've been doing everything. You met Dave and Scraty this morning, and yes. you're going to join their show tomorrow. Right? I am. I am. Oh, I, last time I was there, I brought them donuts. <laughs> now, now, Matt's lost so much weight. I yeah. mean, he can see the body parts below the waist now because for mm-hmm. a while he just thought he was leaking. Mm-hmm. So uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to bring donuts tomorrow and see if we can't pack some back on him. Yes, I, I like to hear that. So tomorrow you're going to be with him. And I appreciate you joining the Wisco Sports Show. Um, and, and I got to meet you a couple of years ago and, and have been working, and, and this show's been so much <laughs> fun. Let's start with the Packers because yeah. you are you are uh, Mr. Packer on, on your show, and, and you had Brian Gutekunst, who is a UWL guy. He's a lacrosse right. guy on earlier today. Fairly so, Brothers is the place to be. That's yeah. where he told us he hung out. That's what he's, There's just so many places. There's there's Brothers, uh, the Alpine Inn, which yeah, is something that everybody goes to. Howie's is another Nest. good one. Eagle's Nest. Yeah. There's a lot of good ones around the area. He didn't say so. Sloopies, though. He did not say Sloopies. But, well, you know what? Sloopies is the hidden gem. This is true. It's a, there's a diamond in the rough everywhere, and this would be Sloopies. This place is packed, by the way. Thanks to everybody for coming out because this is a, this is a hell of a reception. But uh, good against today. Uh, some things that I thought it was more what he didn't say than what sure. he did say. He did not say they were not trading away Josh Jones. He said we are working with his agent, which tells me that he is most likely not going to be a Green Bay Packer, and yeah. if, he, if he is, it's going to be a very disgruntled Green Bay Packer. Uh, he did say that he was really happy. He thought Matt LaFleur was already ahead of the curve for what they were trying to do. Uh, he did not talk about, because I had mentioned Aaron Rodgers, he said Aaron is buying in. He did not talk about last year. He did not, because he said Aaron always buys in. And then he followed that up with, and Aaron likes to be challenged. Yeah. So it was almost kind of like saying Aaron buys in, but he wants to be challenged, and then you understood where he was going, trying to say, okay, last year's out of our system. Last year he really wasn't challenged. 
we had to move on, and that's the reason thus Matt LaFleur is here. But I, I'll tell you this. I'm excited because they kept Mike Pettin, mm-hmm. which I think is huge. And Mike I heard Pettin, you say that today. Mike Pettin did more last year with smoke and mirrors and figuring out a way to make that a top 15 defense. Uh, now I think the most underrated pickup in the offseason has been Adrian Amos. Mm-hmm. I, I think for what he did with the Bears, his knowledge of the system, his understanding for the secondary, working with Tremont Williams, teaching the young guys how to be secondary players, uh, the fact that they are as fast as they've ever been in the secondary. They've got big, big height in Kevin King. Uh, Jair Alexander still got that tremendous speed, got closing ability. And then you throw in Darnell Savage, yeah. who I'm told Mike Clemens, our guy there, Mike Clemens said Darnell Savage is running past the other two guys aforementioned. So if that's the case, they've got the fastest secondary that they've ever had and maybe one of the fastest secondaries in all of football. Well, well let's talk about the defense because you brought up Mike Patton. What I love, I don't know if they're going to be any good. Like, maybe Darnell Savage doesn't turn out to be the player we wanted to be. Like, it, some of these players could flop. But what I'm impressed with, Bill, and this is what I keep coming back to, Look at the way they've transformed this defense in the last two years. Right. So, so quickly, Brian Gutekunst has, has... I mean, they've always been drafting for defense, but it seems like his picks are sticking. His, his well, free agent acquisitions are sticking. They they've completely transformed that unit. They didn't take square pegs and try to fit them in around holes. They actually said, here's a corner with speed. He's going to be a corner with speed. Yes. Uh, we're going to take a guy that could be a tweener with a safety that's more of a slot cover guy. We're going to make him a slot cover guy. We, could, we want to find a hitter. Darnell Savage is a hitter. Yeah. He, as small as he is, he's a hitter. I like speedy, fast guys that just have a feistiness to them. Mm-hmm. So, and, and the other thing that I thought was interesting, that when you start to go through the list of the players that they brought in, one, they didn't draft one starter. Think about it. They didn't draft one. That's a good position. Rashawn Gary is not really a starter. He's a guy that's a rotation guy. They didn't go after an inside linebacker just to get an inside linebacker. They waited to see where the board fell. They found secondary help. Uh, now, we know that Kevin King has had you know shoulder problems in the past, and mm-hmm. that's an obvious need, but they've got depth back there, and they've got uh, age back there. They found outside pass rushers who you know you can't be a pass rusher coming in as a starter in the National Football League oh. as a rookie. So you go out and you find some guys to supplement for a year or two, and I, I think it's brilliant with what they did because I think Mike Pettin now has many of the tools to kind of move guys around to where they can at least be top 12. And if the offense is... A quarter as good as we think it can be, then this team, I think, is going to be a 9-win to 10-win team back in the postseason, and then we just wait and see what happens. Yeah, well, I like what you said, the smoke and mirrors thing with Mike Pettin, because last year I thought he did do a good job of getting his guys opportunities. Like, they had opportunities well, to hit the quarterback. Well, you had plays. problems with HaHa Clinton-Dix, and they just said, you know what, get the hell out of here. Yeah. And they had other issues. Remember, Mike Daniels was hurt, Kenny Clark was hurt. You had all these guys that were going down. Uh, and then you were playing with guys that, you know, Lancaster was your guy. Yeah. And and he really came on. I mean, a lot of guys inside that locker room were telling me, hey, pay attention to this guy. He's actually a quality guy, and he wasn't even drafted. When you started to find diamonds in the rough that could give you supplemental depth, then you thought, okay, look what Mike Pettin's doing with some of these guys. He's putting them in the best position to be successful, and that's what a coach is supposed to do. So when they started to – now, granted, a lot of their sacks came against bad teams. Yeah, good teams, yeah, yeah, they yeah. couldn't get to the quarterback consistently Definitely. enough, which is the reason they went out and found veterans. But – this team excites me. Uh, I think the defense is going to be much better than a lot of people are giving the credit for. Is it going to be on the same par with, say, the Bears and, and Khalil Mack and that pass rush and Trevathan and company? I don't think so, but I think they're going to be a, a, a tick below because their speed will make up for tenacity and, and bulk. I don't need. I don't know if it needs to be as good as that. That's what we've been saying. What the last four years is, they just need to be top ten. They just need to be top fifteen. If they're top twelve, they're going to be a really good football team. If I mean, if you get hit with a rash, like let's just say you lose Kevin King, you yeah. lose Jair Alexander, you lose Adrian Amos, and you lose 
Darnell Savage, sure. well, you're hurt. Yeah. You know, one position. I mean, a couple of years ago, you had Ty Montgomery went down, Jordy Nelson went down, you had also Randall Cobb go down, and you were left with, uh, uh, you know, Aberderis, yeah. you were left with Jeff Dan- Janis, and you didn't have anything. So everybody said, well, the team is screwed. Well, it wasn't the team. You just didn't have receivers. Yeah. You didn't have an offensive threat anymore. Yeah. So that was part of your – so if you have one position group get decimated, absolutely. But if you're able to sustain and just take on a couple of injuries here or there, you finally have got some depth what we believe over at the offensive line. You finally have some depth on the defensive line. Now you've got depth in the secondary. As long as you don't start losing wide receivers, you're really good. And the guy that they're counting on now who seems to have emerged is Jake Kumro, mm-hmm. of all people. And Aaron Rodgers won't stop talking he about He loves him. You know, I, I, I think he's wearing a Kumro jersey underneath his jersey. I mean, he loves him so much. He is looking for the next Jordy Nelson, a guy that he can be on the same page with, and Kumro seems to be that guy. Yeah, well, I know it's something that I've talked about a lot has been that wide receiver. Everyone loves a good position battle in camp, and, and we've talked about how Aaron Rodgers is engaged, too, so I'd love to continue to talk a little bit Packers. We, we should talk some Brewers before the night is over as Whatever well. Whatever you want to do, I'm just here hanging out, man. Amen. So we're hanging out at Sloopy's Alma Mater on the north side. There's a War Pigs tap tape over, half price wings. Everything's fun. Everything's awesome. Come out say hi to Bill. Dave Scrady, I'm here, so come out. The Wisco Sports Show. We'll be back talking more Packers, talking more Brewers with the big unit, Bill Michaels, after this on WKTY. Wisco Sports Show rolls on here at Sloopy's Alma Mater. We're hanging at the north side of Lacrosse, and there's a bunch of things going on. Of course, we're talking Brewers. We're talking Packers. There's a War Pigs Brewery Tap takeover, sampling all kinds of beers, all kinds of different things. And then, of course, it's half price wing night here at Sloopy's. And they have just about the biggest wings in Lacrosse, in Onalaska, anywhere around here. These are the biggest wings you can find. This is where you want to be. And, of course, we're hanging out with the big unit, Bill Michaels, and it is hilarious. Because he comes in here, he walks in here, and people are taking pictures. They're coming up to him with cameras. They're wanting to shake his hand. He is uh, just about the closest thing you can get to a local celebrity. What's up, Scrady? But you're, I was Every, you're you know celebrity. what? Everybody wants to know. No, nobody cares about me. Everybody wants to know what it was like to get hit by lightning. Oh, yeah. At least we're inside. That's not going to happen. Yeah, no. I saw those storm clouds coming, and I feel like that guy in the uh, great outdoors that got hit <laughs> 66 times. So. And that was in Eau Claire with Dan Casper, correct? Yeah. Uh, I was actually, that was, um, I, I was out there doing my show. We were at uh, um, Wild Ridge Golf Wild Course. Ridge, yep. And Jerry Kramer had just been inducted into the Football Hall of Fame, and Jerry was coming out there, and we do it every year anyway. But Jerry called me and said, hey, you're coming out. I want to do my first interview since being inducted with you. So I said, sure, we'll be out. And it was a day like this where it was just, it was pretty much clear, and then you had one little storm cell coming. So they said, well, let's set up outside. I said, okay. You know, and I'm sitting, as we're sitting here, but I'm leaning forward, and I I have a habit of putting my elbows on my knees. Mm -hmm. And I had my hands under the table, and it was all metal tables outside. And we were pretty well protected. We were 20 feet under an awning. And the lightning struck about 30, 25, 30 yards away, and the transference of energy hit the table about 10 tables down, and it shot down all the tables and went into my hand and up my right side. Because people always ask, do you have any remnants? Because I don't have feeling to this day really in my right arm, my right hand, and my, my tendons are bad. Yep. But other than that, I'm fine. But everybody wants to know where the shoe is. Yep. That got blown up and got a, has a hole in it. That's sitting in the bottom of my closet because my kids love to show it to friends of when course. they come over. They and uh, people want to see. It. And they always they always want to see where all the the damage was. And I, I can't show people. I mean, there isn't any skin on my thumb where I have a I don't have a thumbprint anymore. Yeah. Because it blew the skin off. But other than that, I'm good. That's you worse. Know? You don't even have a wound, a scar, or anything. No. I, you know what? Up. And I didn't get a damn superpower either. I was uh, hoping there was like a spider in there that I could have become Spider-Man. Yeah. 
Um, you know, I became the slug man, I guess. Yeah, I so. guess you kind of took the collar on that. You didn't, you yeah. didn't, you didn't get a wound. I didn't get anything out of it. Well, we're, we're inside, and we're not even at a metal table, and, and Sloopy's is packed, but there is still room. People are hanging out. They're standing, getting beer, getting wings. I wanted to talk about Aaron Rodgers with you. Sure. Um, because we were kind of talking about the defense, and, and, and the offense interests me, because I've been watching Aaron Rodgers' press conferences. He seems engaged. He's at times, like, it's like he's playing with reporters like he's a stand-up He comedian. does. It, it's It's... He has become so comfortable in his own skin. Yeah. And since he is, no longer is he trying to impress you, mm-hmm. he is now trying to almost toy with you. Yeah. It's like a cat playing with a ball of, ball of string. You know, it's, he, he does give you legitimate answers. And the one thing I will notice uh, time and again is if you ask him something football-related, cerebral, yeah. he answers it. Otherwise, if it's the general stuff, hey, Aaron, how do you feel about this? Who cares? Yeah. I mean, he looks at you like, you know, what are you talking about? Yeah. Uh, I've always said, time? you know, it's funny because I'll stand on the sidelines. Uh, and for years and years when I was working with the Packers, I would stand up with Larry McCarron. And nobody would stand next to Larry McCarron because Larry stands on the field. Yeah. He's like a player. He never wanted to leave the field. So I'd walk up and stand with Larry. And if you walk up to Larry and you go, hey, Larry, so what do you think this year? How are they going to look? You get out of the hole, you know, yeah. and then you drop a couple F-bombs on you. Know, I suppose you know. Yeah. You know, that type of thing. But if you walked up and you said, hey, Larry, you know, Tausher's playing with that bad knee. Now, with that bad knee on the left side, you know, when you drop step back to go ahead and block a guy coming from the right side, is that, you know, how was that? And he'd give you the breakdown. Really? Of it. So if it's cerebral and it's football, they'll give, they'll give it to you. If it's generic, dumb crap, yeah, fair, they won't. It's, 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 they'll toy with you, and they'll just give you some kind of standard pat answer or make fun of you and then kind of move on. But Aaron is... Extremely comfortable in his own skin. He seems to be in a really good place, and he seems to be completely re-engaged right now. Well, re-engaged, that's what I was going to ask, because I hear him ranting and making jokes about Game of Thrones, and he was messing with uh, with Lafleur, making this announcement that, yes, he is athletic, I wanted to get that out there, he is an athlete, and he's joking about these things. Is he is he more engaged? Is he in a different mood this year, do you think, under a new head coach? Um, I think... To answer your question easily, I'd say yes. Yeah. It's, it's but I, know, I think I what he is right now is he's on a fast track to go back to being the smartest guy in the room. Because right now he doesn't know it all, but he's the, probably the leader in having the most knowledge in the franchise, if that makes sense. Sure. So, you know, he he's going back and forth right now. It's a kind of a battle of what we can do together type of wits with Matt LaFleur and Nathaniel Hackett. Uh, you always want to see, though, once they get and cross the finish line and the entire book is absorbed, then what? Yeah. You know, then it doesn't sit down and you're breaking down, you're breaking down defenses for what you have in your arsenal, or does it become boring to them? And they haven't faced adversity yet. No. I mean, it's easy to joke. It's easy to have fun. You're getting ready for training camp. You're in mini camps. You know, it's kind of like he went, oh, geez, I've got to go to another mini camp. You know, oh, God, I'm a veteran. But he has to because you have to get reengaged with your new head coach. But... Once the season starts and you hit adversity, that's the Aaron Rodgers I want to see. So how does he handle that? Is he saying, hey, Matt had a great game plan. We didn't execute. You know, we got to do something better. We need this. We need that. Or is he saying, hey, you know what? I, Matt's calling a great game plan. Uh, I'm not executing. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. Or is it, hey, you know, if, if we need to get Devontae Adams open more, they need to call more plays for Devontae, and then he's throwing his coach under the bus again. Yeah. Then you're going back to what happened with Mike McCarthy. So, when they face it, you know, they all, the old adage is you never find out character until you face adversity. Yeah. We'll find out what their character is. Yeah, I, last year towards the end of the year, and I love Aaron Rodgers. I, 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 
I think very highly of him, not only as a Green Bay Packer quarterback, but compared to Tom Brady and Matt Ryan. And I know Aaron Rodgers was taking some heat the last year, but I, his body language was crap last year. He didn't seem engaged. He was bad. He was bad, and he was bad. He was bad. I mean, just call it what it is. He was—he stunk. He, he wasn't—and uh, it wasn't terrible in, in the terms of average numbers. We kept, the problem is his bar is set so much higher than any yeah. other quarterback in the league, so he's got to attain that to, to, to have this team have a legitimate shot at winning, which is the reason they focus so much on the defense. So... Aaron Rodgers, yeah, the body language was bad. The whining was bad. The throwing everybody else under the bus. No, it's easy to say, you know, it starts with me, and then go around and point the finger at everybody yeah, else. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a, it's, it's, your actions speak louder than your words. You're pointing the finger at everybody else. You listen to Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning would say, you know, hey, I stunk today. I got to do this better. I got to get the ball to such and such. You don't say, hey, we got to scheme him open. Yeah. I got to get the ball to him. He wasn't throwing to open receivers. He was throwing, and he wasn't throwing to spots. He was waiting for a guy to be open. And you can't do that because that window closes so fast, thus so many throwaways last year. Well, that's, that's the difference between college is, is you have to throw people open in the NFL. You're not throwing two open guys. In college, you can, you know, Chris Carter, when I played at Ohio State, Chris Carter was one of our wide receivers. Chris, you could throw to a zone, and Chris Carter would go get it. Go get it, it okay? yeah. You can do that somewhat with Devontae Adams. But think about this. When you had, when you, had uh, you know, Jordy, you had Randall, you had, I mean, even before Randall, go back, you had Greg Jennings. Go, go back to Jennings, go back to Driver, go back to James Jones. James Jones sat down with us at the Super Bowl and said, Bill, you could look at everybody on the line and know that everybody was going to get open. So if you didn't get open faster, you were never going to see the ball. Damn. So they always said, we can beat whomever. They just have to get off the line quicker than everybody else, or they're never going to see the ball because Aaron was that fast at breaking it down. This group of wide receivers from last year couldn't do that. They had to wait for a spot to open up to throw the ball to because they don't have the same athleticism. They didn't have the same speed. So Aaron was left tapping the ball, tapping the ball, tapping the ball, waiting for a guy to get open and then throwing it away because everything broke down. And once it breaks down, you're not throwing to a spot. You're throwing to a wide-open receiver. This year I hope they throw to spots. Yeah, I hope they scheme guys instead of wait guys to get open, like we heard a lot of people said about Mike McCarthy. I want to talk about the wide receivers because I think that is the one intriguing position battle in camp. I think we know how a lot of position groups are going to fall. Wide receiver after that number one spot, I think, is, is about as wide open as any position group they have. Do you have a guy that you think is going to jump out and be that number two? I, I, like, to, I like to think it's this way. If Devontae Adams got hurt and he, and he had to be out, even right. for the whole year, a couple games, what does that group look like? Geronimo Allison. Yeah. If Geronimo Allison has fully recovered from his injury, he had a bad groin tear. Yeah, he did. If he has recovered, that guy's the real deal. Now, Marquez Valdez-Scantling... He reminds me a lot of Greg Jennings. He can get downfield. He's got good speed. He does go up and get a ball. Jamon Moore is back to being Jamon Moore. He gets open. He's got all the talent in the world, but the guy has stone fingers. Between him and Jimmy Graham and Camp so far, they both have dropped a ton of passes, and they're not going to get the trust. The guy that everybody keeps talking about is Jake Kumaro, but can Jake Kumaro get open? He doesn't have the same speed that Marquez Valdez-Scantling does or that Geronimo Allison. Geronimo Allison's a real deal. He's taller. He's lanky. He's got that big Gumby-like frame, and he's got a big wingspan and big hands. He is fantastic, and I saw him last year in training camp, and I was blown away. So his season got derailed by the injuries. But if he comes back and he's strong, Devontae is strong, you get anything out of Jimmy Graham more than what you had last year. Anything. Yeah. And you are going to be a formidable team because now they have uh, what I would consider to be a legitimate one, two, three punch in in the running back core. I really like Aaron Jones came in with 20 more pounds of muscle on that. That guy looks like a fire plug with feet. Yep. I love what he's done. Jamal Williams is just He's your backyard bully badass, and he just wants to run people over. So you've got a north-south guy, you've got a scat back, and now you can't pick up this kid from Notre Dame who's got all the wheels and all the looks. 
and, oh, by the way, he can catch the balls out of the backfield. You've got a three-headed monster that you can run the ball with. So I think there's a lot of positives there offensively. But the big thing is, do they have the depth? How long is Brian Balaga going to hold up? Can Billy Turner really fill the bill over there on that side of the, uh, the line at the guard position? And is Cole Madison back and dedicated? Because if he is, he's a guy that really they were counting on last year to come in and really kind of solidify that offensive line. So I, I'm thinking if they protect Aaron, they're going to have a good year. For our, for our listeners who didn't catch your interview with, with Brian Gutekind today, what did he have to say about Billy Madison? Because I know you asked about him. Right? Well, Billy Madison, Cole Madison. Cole Madison, he said that Cole, it was good to get him back uh, and that once Cole got back into camp, he became more engaged. Sure. He was kind of nervous because of all the things. And for those that don't know, I mean, he his quarterback out of college killed himself. Yeah. And it devastated him. It just it, it blew his mind, and he just needed time to get away and figure life out, I guess. Uh, and now that he's done that, he was skeptical about coming back, but he wanted to dedicate himself to coming back to playing football because football, he said, was kind of that savior, that he knew there was that carrot hanging out there to kind of continue his life. Yeah. So he said when he got back into camp, he was nervous about it. He was wanting to know how the guys would receive him. And then once the guys came over and said, dude, we got you back, you're good, he said he became just comfortable. And now he's back and engaged. So that, to me, was a, a big sigh of relief because that was a guy they were counting on being, at one point or another last year, being a starter. Yeah. Because you figured somebody was going down. So if he's back, Billy Turner fills the bill. You've got a couple of pieces you can shuffle around. I think they're going to be pretty good on the offensive line, again, barring any kind of decimating injuries. I mean, the one guy you can't afford to lose is David Bakhtiari. If you do, if you lose him for a game or two, you can survive. But if you lose him, say, on on week two for the rest of the season, boy, you're going to have a long season. Yeah. Part of of the thing, Bill, that blows me away about Packers fans, and I guess this is why why you were able to to talk Packers for four hours year-round or year-round, is that people care about what's going on with Josh Jones, their third-string safety, right. and, 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 and Trevor Davis. Where does Trevor Davis fit on this team? I'm fascinated. Right now, he's, he's fighting for a job. Yeah. He's fighting for a job because we didn't even talk about Trevor Davis as a wide receiver. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to use anybody as a wide receiver who's then going to be slash your returner, who are you going to use? Marquez Valdez-Scanley can do it. Jamon Moore can do it. Uh, although he's got to have better hands when he's yeah. looking at balls coming in the air as opposed to runners coming downfield. Jay Kumaro can do it. He well, can be a guy that can do Jair it. Jair Alexander on punts and Aaron Jones. Yeah, I mean, you know, and, and the other guy is Equinemius St. Brown. I love Equinemius St. He reminds too. me a lot of a, a, of a poor man's Donald Driver because he can go over the middle, big hands, big wingspan, yeah. and he can be a possession guy, and he doesn't mind taking a hit. No, he pops. So he, he's another guy that if he progresses this year, and he was a guy that I talked to. I was up there a couple of weeks ago, and, and we were up there for all the – festivities with Leroy Butler and yep, Ted Thompson and everybody, and I saw him, and we were talking, and he said, you know, this is the first year that he didn't have to go crazy in the offseason, because last year, you go from college to the to the combine workouts, to the combine, to then you're working out for the individual teams, your pro day, all that kind of stuff, and then you get drafted, and then you're right into the system. Yep. He said this was the first offseason where he had three weeks, he did nothing, he wanted to get his body healthy, and then he got in with a couple of different pro workout camps where it just slowly progressed his body into becoming better and better and better. And he says he never felt more limber, never felt faster, never felt stronger. So that's another guy that I really like. No, they have a lot of options at wide receivers, certainly. So I'm, I'm interested to watch that position battle continue. Let, let's talk some Brewers when we come back. How does that sound? Sure. Okay. You were talking a lot of Brewers, uh, Brewers earlier today, so we'll continue I was inspired that. talking Brewers today. You were inspired. Well, we'll try to tap into that uh, when we come back. We're down here at Sloopy's Alma Mater. And if you're not here, get down here. Half Price Wings, War Pigs. Uh, brewery is down here. We're doing a tap takeover. Big unit. Bill Michaels, of course, here as well. My name is Grant Bills, host of the Wisco Sports Show. We'll be back in a moment here on WKTY.
Show Sports Show rolls on here on WKTY. My name is Grant Bills. Lucky enough to be here with Bill Michaels. How oh are we looking? Oh my God, it's Grant. How are we looking? How are we looking? You haven't said that once so far. No, I haven't. Uh, I said it to a few people walking through the door, and uh, the one guy didn't know who I was. He's like, man, that guy's obnoxious. <laughs> so, uh, which is fine. You must have been the only guy in here who didn't recognize yeah, you. Yeah, that, that was it. But uh, no, I was, I was telling, this is a bad joke to tell, but the girl comes over and I said, you know, hey, what do you guys have? Yeah. And she, I said, do you got good pizzas? And she said, we have great pizzas. I said, okay. I like uh, pepperoni and Italian sausage. Yep. And she goes, <laughs> 9, 12, or 16 inches. Oh, boy. I said, you never ask it to a guy in a nope, bar. I'm just nope, saying that. You know, nope. I just thought to throw it out there. That's too personal. I said, just whatever it is, whatever the biggest is, just bring it over. We'll just, just share it with everybody. Just bring it out. We're at Sloopy's Alma Mater, and you can come out here and get pizza. You can get wings. It's wing night. And then more pizza. Uh, apparently, you can get insulted, too. You can, so. you can get insulted. That's exactly <laughs> right. a better way to go. A lot going on out here at Sloopy's. And, and I want to talk some Brewers baseball. I heard you talking a lot of Brewers today. Uh, and you even got a little bit fired up talking Brewers today. I did. Um, normally, like, after a, a Packers loss, there's only 16 Packer games. Like, you can get fired up pretty easy. After a Brewers loss, it's a little different. The uh, the the narrative right now for me is, I'm, and, and as much as I like the guy, and I personally like the guy, I've talked to him, I've known him, I've sat down and chatted with him, I've sat down with him at, at spring training. Jesus Aguilar, it's time for him to go. He has not hit a ball. He hit last year... Like 119 in the postseason. Yep. He's hitting 190 now. He has four home runs. He's on pace to hit 13 home runs this year after hitting 35 last year. He last night, it was a 10 to 8 loss, and it, it's it's it was a it was a home run fest, and everybody was hitting. Yep. He was the one guy that didn't. He was 0 for 4 last night. He comes up late in the ball game, bases loaded, one out. All you got to do is put the ball in play, and he pops up again. And and it wasn't just the fact that he popped up. He looked so bad doing it. He yeah. was guessing and threw the bat out there. Now, some will say, well, that's a very aggressive, protective swing. No, that was crap. And he's been crap all season long. So, to me, Kesson here is toiling away in the minors right now. A guy that has proven he can hit in the majors and has hit at every level. He can be your second baseman. You can either move Moose or Travis Shaw over to first. And at least with Travis Shaw, he hit a 446-foot bomb, bomb last yeah, night. He he's starting to hit the ball again. You get him comfortable, Moose is going to give you the power numbers. He'll give you the 35 home runs that Jesus ain't. Put him over at first base, or vice versa. And all of a sudden, with Kesson here in the lineup, you've got average, you've got... Because Kesson here has five home runs. He had five in he has five home runs. games. Exactly, as opposed, games, to what Moose, as opposed to what Jesus is doing. So bring up Jesus, or bring up uh, uh, Kesson here. And Jesus, look... I think another team will pick him up, and that's a shame. But if he goes and hits somewhere else, people will go, ah, I can't believe he didn't hit for the Brewers like that. Well, sometimes the, the pastures are greener. And if he does, congratulations to him. But right now, you're talking about a team that you need to have win. How do you look your fan base in the eye and say, we're putting out our best lineup? No, you're not. You're sticking a 190 hitter in situations in which he's not being successful continuously. And, and it's I'm... Last night was it for me. I'm pretty yeah. much done with Jesus Aguilar. Do you think the Brewers play the long game a little bit too much? Because I think they look at Travis Shaw, and I think they're looking at Jesus Aguilar right now and saying, we're not going to win with them right now, but, but come August, come September, we're going to need everybody, and that's why we are taking so much effort and so much time and then letting these guys toil away and, and really taking some losses because of it, because we know come the end of the season we're going to need everyone, not just Keston Hira. I... I want to say yeah, but my problem is that it's easy to say when you're in first place. Yeah. What happens if the Cubs with Kimbrel? Kimbrel, the, the Cubs are third in the majors in blown saves with 11 of them. And, and not all of those are losses, but they're third in the majors. Let's just say they get four more wins. There are three games up on the Brewers at this point then, okay, and climbing. So to me, and now they've got Kimbrel. So to me, if you're going to 
you got one team getting better, doing everything they can to get better, and you're sitting here right now going, man, if we can only get him going, and, and you're taking losses or at least not getting enough runs or extending innings and trying to get you know additional pitchers out of ball games yep. with a guy who can't hit. Two or three guys who can't hit. We're not even talking about Lorenzo Cain. At least Lorenzo Cain can give you a lot of the glove. It's not like Jesus is a, a human backstop over at first no. base. He's a dancing bear. Even if he was, it's still first base. Right, he's a dancing bear. So, to me, it's it's just time to to, to cut him loose. It's time to bring up Kessin here. Keep him in the lineup. Uh, you got some additional depth still down in the minor league system, but uh, I want to see them move Jesus. I want to see them go out and make a deal for either a bullpen guy or a starter and then solidify that, that, that rotation, and then off they go. What is it with organizational depth? When, because that's always what Stern says. We want to preserve our organizational depth. Just for what you're seeing, because they want to be able to say, okay, you've got options. Because they value, David Stern's told us this this year in spring training. Yep. He said the reason they got rid of Domingo Santana, who's actually had a pretty good year, was because he didn't have options. He was out of options. So options are a valued commodity now. If you're out of options and you go into a slump, you have, you have put us, you're handcuffing us. We can't do anything with you, and that position becomes a sinkhole, which is why I find it so amazing they are still sticking with Jesus yeah. Aguilar. So, because I know they're waiting for that power to come back, and they, uh, they all know that he's going to eventually get it, but what is ailing him? Is he, is he hurt? If he's hurt, put him on the DL. Get, get, come up with some mysterious thumb injury, and all of a sudden Jesus Aguilar goes on a DL. But right now, to me, a guy without options that is a sinkhole in your lineup, you got to cut loose. It's too bad because if Jesus did have options, I think he'd be down and he might have a chance to work on that swing. It almost works against the player as much as it works against the And right now, you're desperate for Freddy Peralta's position because he's a two-pitch, three-pitch pitcher uh, with that different ways he throws the fastball, the two-seam and the four-seam, and the way he's got a little bit of a cut to it. But as Craig Council said last night, he said, man, he threw really good stuff. And they're hitting it. So if you're throwing your best stuff and you can't get it past them or you can't fool them, what good are you to us? You, have you not watched Freddie Peralta? I watched Freddie Peralta at the beginning of the season, as much as, as high as everyone knows on Corbin Burns, I say I watched Freddie Peralta, and his fastball just has something about it where he just has this natural movement on his fastball, much like Josh Hader does. He, when doesn't he throws a, it really When well. he throws a forcing fastball and it's rising, mm-hmm. it, it starts out about knee high and you're going low for it, and then it comes up on you, it's fantastic. Yeah. But if you've watched lately, it is like throwing it on a string. He doesn't have much movement, and some of the stuff that he has had, it's sweeping. It's not... It's not a hard. It's not like falling off a table. Yeah. It's it's sweeping. It's a slow sweeping breaking ball. So to me, look, Freddie Peralta's got to go figure it out in the minors. That's my that's my take on it. They want to put him in the bullpen. They're hoping to God that that Jimmy Nelson can come back and fill the bill. They're hoping that Yulee Shasin comes back and he's Yulee Shasin again. Uh. And then when Gio comes back, he can solidify that rotation. Because then you naturally get depth into your bullpen by bringing those guys back and making yeah. them starters. But if, if, say, Ulysse isn't Ulysse and Gio is down for a long period of time and you can't bring him back and Jimmy doesn't really return this year to being Jimmy and he's just going to struggle on throughout the season, you have to make a, you have to find spot. a bullpen guy. You've got to find another bullpen guy and preferably a lefty because right now your best lefty short of Josh Hader is Claudio? Alex Claudio. You know? I mean, come on. Yeah. You, you with a helmet on backwards can hit Alex Claudio at times. So, to me, uh, they they got some work to do right now in the bullpen. What was your reaction to Craig Kimbrell? Because I thought it was going to be a huge deal. Three years, $45 million doesn't sound that bad to if me. It was two, I, I if it know. was two years, they would have done it. If it was three so? years, I was told that they just didn't want to bite the bullet for that long. Because you figure Corey Knable may or may not be back next year, but they know in two years after that he'll be back. Sure. And a, and a, and a rested arm, so to speak. So that it, it'll go back to being Hayter, Knable, Jeffress, 
uh, and and then they'll be able to kind of solidify the back end of that rotation, the back end of that bullpen again. They didn't want to pay Kimbrell that amount of money for three years, especially with all the track uh, track mileage that he's got on his arm. Because even the Red Sox had said, "Look, we'll take you for a year, but we're not going to do two or three. Yeah. So if your home team is telling you we'll take you for a year, we're not going to do two or three, why should you jump into that mix? And the Cubs did it because the Cubs know that window is going to begin to close because well, some it. of these guys are coming up on arbitration and they're coming up on salary renego- or contract negotiation, and they're going to have to do that now. They got to win now because they know that thing's going to close quickly. Probably they have more need and they have more urgency than the Brewers. Yeah, they got more money. They, well, that, that always helps, too. Here's, here's something that I was wrestling with, and I asked your producer, Radio Joe, joined my show last week. I, David Stearns wants to sustain success. He wants there to be a window of not just this year, but hopefully for a few more years. Right? right. He's talked about that endlessly. Why is he scared of a three-year deal if, if, in his mind, he's hoping to compete for the next three years anyway? Because I think what he's scared of is Kimbrell goes bad in year two, and you're stuck with $10 million or $12 million or whatever in year three. And then that money you don't have to spend on somebody else. I, I sure. think that's where they're at. And they don't have, you know, again, they value commodities with options rather than guys that just are, are proven commodities. If you're a, co- a good player and you have to eat up $45 million over three years, but yet you have three or four options left, they'll take you. But yeah. if you don't have any options, suddenly they don't want to be strapped to a guy in their system that's going to eat up a ma- the majority of their you know. Uh, discretionary payroll yeah. who can't give you anything. And they don't have a huge discretionary payroll. The Cubs right. can, can swing that a little bit more. But I'm disappointed. Stuff. I don't know how fans are here and what you guys discussed, but I'm disappointed because they kept telling us money was not going to be the object. It yeah. wasn't going to be the stumbling block, and apparently it is. Well, and here's the thing, because if you are critical that, okay, they didn't get Krimbo, they didn't get Keiko, okay, people are saying, well, they'll make a move or, or moves down the summer, but now it's going to cost you prospects. It'll cost and you prospects. Money. Yeah. This wouldn't have been any prospects. You wouldn't have to sacrifice that organizational depth that David Stern's always talking about. The prospects, about. I don't value. I mean, I know a lot of teams do. I don't value as much because they're they're not guys that they're are major leaguers. So, I mean, we gave away Matt Laporta, picked up CC Sabathia. You know, now granted, Michael Brantley was in that deal, and he ended up being a, an all-star because he was a throw-in guy. Yeah. So That's typically how it works. Right. The throw-in guy tends out to be so the So Laporta was the key guy in all of that, who everybody thought was going to be great at some point, and he's not even in the league anymore. So... As much as you value commodities and what seem to be guys that are in the minor league system, they not all of them pan out, so go ahead and get rid of them if you can get a, a quality guy. And a lot of teams are looking for arms, so if you can get rid of an arm or two, or maybe one good guy, one positional guy, and then an arm who's on the back end, say uh, down in double A or something to that effect, and find yourself a guy that's going to come up on salary arbitration or a guy that's going to come up with a contract but can give you a year, the end of this year and one more year, then go ahead and do it. And well, worry, but let the chips fall where they may two years down the road. Yeah, I, I agree. We're talking Brewers with Bill Michaels at Sloopy's Alma Mater. One more segment to go. We'll continue to talk Milwaukee Brewers. Get down here if you're not already. you got a pizza on the way. We do. So, uh, well, we're here another hour after that because yeah. we're hanging out. We're so, giving stuff away. We apparently. are. We got, we're giving boy, Brewers tickets, a lot of WK2I swag, and Bill is Dave and Strady, uh, from what pizza. I understand, have opened up a bar tab, and it's open for all of lacrosse. Grady's got a 24-7 so, tab. So uh, I heard that's open, too. So come on in and just say, Dave told me uh, you're cut to cover the tab. You're exactly, good to go. exactly. Come down and say hi. One more segment of the Wisco Sports Show on the way. And then the party really starts. Coming up next year on WKTY. Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. We are on location. David Grady gets to do this all the time, and I never get to join in, so I'm enjoying myself today. We're at Sloopy's Alma Mater on the north side of Lacrosse, and everyone is here, including the big unit, Bill Michaels. We've been talking Packers. We've been talking Brewers. And if you get down here, 
War Pigs are doing a tap takeover. Obviously, half price wings, and you get to talk to Bill as well. You know what? Uh, people are asking about the Bucks too. Yeah. We didn't even discuss it's the awesome. Bucks. It's awesome. Was, was, are the Bucks a big topic over here? They they were during the we, season. We do get calls from lacrosse asking about Bucks basketball. I think for a long time they were so detached. Yeah. And they weren't good. So nobody really gave two hoots about him. Yeah. And, but all of a sudden, I think you've got a likable superstar, uh, a guy that genuinely wants to be in Wisconsin, in Giannis. That goes kind of a giant way. kid, which is, uh, and he hasn't, he hasn't come out and beaten anybody up. No. You know, he hasn't said, "I want the money." He hasn't yelled at a fan. He hasn't, like you know, that. he hasn't sat down with Drake, the rapper, and tried to do an album. Yeah. None of that. So he's just a likable guy, and I think there's a lot of people that relate to that that naivete, so to speak, about being a superstar. Yeah. I think he's really been kind of accepted by the state of Wisconsin as a, as a genuine superstar and a guy that everybody's going to hitch their wagon to, and rightfully so, for a long time to come, but they desperately need a shooter. Well, and you'll preach this as much as anyone, that, that the Packers are always number one in the state, and I do agree, but there were times in April and March where I was like, well, I, I want to talk Packers today, I want to talk Packers this week, but I don't know where to put it. Well, My show's only an hour long. I go back to when Obama was elected, yeah. and there's a friend of mine who runs a marketing firm and a research firm in the state of Wisconsin. And all the candidates, it didn't matter who they were, were coming through the state. This was a swing state. Mm-hmm. So they're coming through the state, and they wanted to know key things to talk about in the state of Wisconsin, because everybody does. And they always want to go, and they want to throw in Lambeau Field or yeah. whatever in one of their speeches. And before health care, education, taxes, and unemployment, of course, police, fire, all the different things, military, the number one thing to talk about in the state of Wisconsin was Packers. They all had it in their speech, whether it was Lambeau Field, whether it was Vince Lombardi, whether it was Michael McCarthy, something with the Packers in it. They had to do it to connect with the people in the state of Wisconsin. I've always said, as much as I loved covering the Bucks and as much as I loved covering the Brewers in their postseason run, if you would have a public hemorrhoid surgery during Game 7 of the World Series and Game 7 of the NBA Finals, of which both the Brewers and the Bucks were playing, the Aaron Rodgers public hemorrhoid surgery would outdraw them as Wayne and Larry would describe the incision and the sur- and, and everything else that goes along with it to Packers fans, and that would be the most listened to thing. When we when I was working on the network, specifically during their playoff runs, we as the NFL Network would bring in servers. Every every team had so many servers to cover how many people were going to be listening. Yep. And everybody starts out with I think like ten servers. It covers so many thousands of people to get up to hundreds of thousands. By the time it came to the Super Bowl. The, the, the Dallas Cowboys and the Green Bay Packers are the two top teams. Pittsburgh ran a close third. Yeah. So the Dallas Cowboys still had, I think, like 26 servers that they would use for their broadcast. The, the Pittsburgh Steelers had grown to like 27 or 28. The, the Packers, we were up to like 48 servers to handle the amount of people that were trying to listen to the Packers broadcast yep. to pay attention to it. And the amount of support you get throughout the country, when it's kind of like Cubs fans. It's when you walk in, they're everywhere. Yep. The Packers fans are everywhere. So, which is actually, it's, it's a unique thing, and I know we've got to get moving here, but oh, no. when I was planning on doing this network, I thought of this 10 years ago. As we were in all these different cities, we would go places, and you're coming out of the team hotel, and people are standing out there in Packers jerseys and cheeseheads. Mm-hmm. And you'd say, where are you from? And they wouldn't say, I'm from La Crosse, or I'm from West Salem, or I'm from Coon, Coon Valley, or whatever. They would say, I'm from Wisconsin. And then they would say, yeah, I live over by Westby. I live, you know. So to me, I thought, well, wait a minute. You got because I'm from, originally from Ohio. You could never do this in Cincinnati. You could never do this in Columbus or Cleveland because nobody gave two squirts about anybody else in those cities. In this state, everybody loves the Packers. Everybody loves the Brewers. And then it kind of trickles down to what you like. So you always knew you had something to bring it together, which is the reason I said we, I think we can do this network 
And finally, I just said, you know what? I'll do it. So we started our own company, and that's how we built the network. But it's just the way it is. This is a football state first and foremost. And when the Badgers are good football-wise, it's a close third or second even. Yeah. And then the and then the Brewers, and then the, the, the Bucks, and then it trickles down from there. Did you get a lot of, during the Brewers run, and even now with the Brewers, or during the Bucks season, did you get a lot of people calling, texting, tweeting, saying, stop, talk about the Packers, talk more about Packers, I don't care about the Brewers? Because I you, thought you there get, was less of that You this get year. a little bit of that from everybody. I mean, you know, the Brewers could have won last night, and I would have had Gudikins on today, and I would have had somebody say, I can't believe you're talking you know, about the Brewers. Yeah. You're, you've got... You know, the NBA Finals going on right now, and people are saying, I can't believe you're not talking about, you know, Chris Middleton buying a house in Milwaukee. Of course. There's always somebody that you're not going to make happy, but as long as you're covering everything and doing it to your best ability, then I think you cover the mass audience. But the, the old adage is, it's just like in Top 40 Radio. You play the hits. What, what are people talking about? So when you go into work today, and then you're standing around the water cooler, or you walk into your cubicle, or you're driving in the truck, or going to the construction site, or whatever it is you do, when people talk sports, what are they talking about? They're talking about Josh Jones not dressing. They're talking about, holy crap, that's a big pizza. <laughs> holy mackerel. Also talking about pizza. And they're talking about pizza. So you're going to have people talking about last night with Freddie Peralta. You're going to have people talking about Craig Council. You're going to have people talking about Ted Thompson was on the field. What's Ted doing back? It's yeah. a conspiracy theory. Of Why course, is Mark yeah. Murphy allowing that? You know, but that's the way it is. So you just try to play the hits, and you go from there, and, and, and you hope for the best. I, I did want to talk a little bit more Brewers, and I do think we had people wanting to talk about us, wanting to talk Brewers over here in the cross, which typically isn't isn't probably as much as you get on the other side of the state. You know who I think is is incredibly underrated. We're not talking about enough is Mikey Stockis, and I don't think we really he's as, been fantastic as good as he has been. I still don't think we've realized how great he, he's he been. Is. Really fantastic. He uh, not only is he a guy. Two things about Mike Moustakis. One, he's he's performed on the field. Yeah. But the second thing is he's a guy that wants to be here. He had money from other teams about equal, and he just said, no, I want to go back to the Brewers. There is something. I go back to last year when I walked into the clubhouse, and this was coming off of the season in which uh, you know Travis Shaw had such a good year, but he went through everything with his daughter over yep. at Children's Hospital. And he said, these guys are in here. This is like family. And I had said, so how's the atmosphere this year as opposed to last year? He said, it never changed. We could not wait. We were texting each other. We couldn't wait to come back. So when Moose was still on the open market, Braun, Yelich, Lorenzo Kane, and Travis Shaw all specifically texted him and said, Dude, why don't you just come back? We yeah. want you back. So the fact that not only did the front office want him back, but prior to that, the guys inside the clubhouse were saying, Dude, if, it, if it's a matter of money, just come back and, and we'll, we'll do what we can. That type of thing. This is a really close clubhouse. So I think there's something to be said for that, and that's the culture that Craig Council has manifested because Craig Council... There's a, go back to when Ken Mako was here. Ken would always oh. say, well, my, my office door is always open. Yeah. And Ken's a very smart guy. He wasn't an idiot. I would sit down with him and I'd say, what the hell were you doing? And then by the time we got done with the conversation, I'd go, oh, okay. I may not agree with it, but I always understood his philosophy. It, but Craig not only says my office door is open, he's sitting in the lounge yeah, with the, the guys. He's out there hitting fungos with the guys. He's pitching to the guys. He's hitting with the guys. He's, he's sitting on the couch, and they're, they're playing video games together, and he's talking to these So I think there's a respect level there for what Craig Council does and the way he pushes all of these right buttons, but more so what goes on inside that clubhouse and the way he treats the guys, being a former player so close to it himself. I think there's another level of respect there as well. 
Craig Council has some buttons to push, I feel like. Going back to the starting pitching. Does I it feel like he pushes more buttons than any other manager in Probably. baseball oh, for the way they the do way things? The lineups changes. Between him and the Tampa Bay Rays, yeah. that's the way they manage their games now. That's, that's how. And Tampa Bay has a DH, so they don't really have to push many buttons when it comes to changing pitchers and doing double switches. Craig Council certainly does. I want to know how he handles Burns and Peralta going forward. How would you handle those two pitchers? Uh, both have options. I would go to David Stearns and say, how many more outings do we have to throw these guys into? Look, I don't bring Corbin Burns or, or Freddie Peralta back into a situation that is close. I put them into situations in which they're comfortable. Either we're getting blown out or we're down by three or four or we're up by three or four. And then the minute they start to show signs of trouble, you give them one opportunity to get out of it, and then you pull the, pull the plug on it. These guys have to understand they have very short leashes. You can't continually – if you're in it to win it, you're in it to win it. Yeah. If you're not, and this is, this is the, the major minor leagues for guys to come up and work it out, well, then you have to go in that direction. You're not Joe Madden where you're sitting there with a payroll of almost $200 million with a bunch of veterans that, that have been there, done that. You're sitting with a bunch of young guys that are losing confidence, and you need to figure out how to give them that confidence back. So they're both still starting pitchers to you. You're not saying put uh, Burns back in the bullpen or, or try to no, make No, you know what? I, look, uh, Freddie to me is a bullpen guy. When you're talking about a two-pitch, uh, two you're, you're talking about a guy that comes in and throws a lot of heat, gets a couple of strikes. But see, Freddie can come in and later in games. He just can't pitch early in games for whatever reason. The bugaboo's in his head. So to me, I, Freddie goes to the pen, Burns stays there, but you're going to bring back Ulysse, you're going to bring back Gio, and you've, got, and you've got Jimmy. If those three guys can fill the bill, those guys are back in the bullpen anyway. Yeah, the, the, the starting rotation is met. I mean, thank God for Zach Davies. Nobody expected this from Zach Davies. Where were they? Davies out and Woodruff. And Woodruff. And Woodruff is a hell of a pinch hitter. Yeah. You know, he's kind of the Brooks Keyshick of hitting for pitchers in, in Milwaukee because he's been able to actually rope a few. Yeah, and he's, he's blown Giovanni Gallardo. Giovanni Gallardo was always that guy, yep. and he makes him look like Giovanni Gallardo took a lot of pride, too, in sacrifice wise and bunting. And I like that about him because he was kind of old school that way. That's what all pitchers should, should try to focus on. So we want, we want Burns and Peralta. We want to keep them starters. We want to move them to the pen. Uh, Peralta, to me, goes to the pen, but yeah. right now, you don't, unless you're going to bring something else in. I think you keep him as a starter. You give him another opportunity. But after that, uh, I'd say you'd have to put him in the pen, or he's got to go down. Well, just looking ahead, the, the Brewers are right there at the start of the division. But I like what you said about Kimbrell. If they just had some of those saves, this division could look different. They're going out on a West Coast trip, which doesn't ever seem to end well for the Brewers. At least they've got San Francisco and San Diego, two teams that they are do. foundering right now. So, And meanwhile, you've got the Cubs who are playing Colorado and playing four against the L.A. Yep. And L.A. is one of the hottest teams in baseball, short of the Houston Astros and the Minnesota Twins. So hopefully the Cubs continue to lose. But this is this is supposed to be where you, you separate yourself from the Cubs. You just don't tread water with them. So this is what you, you need wins right now. We have we have one minute left. What do you need to know if you're David Sturz and Craig Council? What do you need to have figured out by the trade deadline or by, Jimmy that, Nelson. by that time? Really, Jimmy Nelson. You, if Jimmy Nelson is going to be the real deal, Gio's going to be back, and Ulysses is going to be back, then you have to strengthen the bullpen. If they're not, you have to figure out a pitcher, a big time starting pitcher, or a bullpen guy that's going to solidify things. To me, you probably need one of each. If you if, if you're not going to get Ulysses, Jimmy, or you're going to get Gio back. To me, you got to get another starter because I don't think you can go into the postseason with these guys. And remember, there isn't any after-trade trade deadlines this year. It's no. Once you get to the end of July, that's it. That's so I think team. you're going to really have to start moving these guys now. That's your team. Next that's two weeks, you're going to start hearing a lot of rumors. Sure. I, I like that. I like that. So, Bill, we hear you every day, 11 to 2 on WKTY. Thanks for being here. This is great. I'm going to eat some pizza, hang out for a little while. Got Boom's Farm here. He just walked through the door, so we're good to go. Everybody, all your groupies, all your fans, so so go enjoy it. Um, this has been the Wisco Sports. So get down to Sloopy's. We're going to be here until at least 7. We're giving stuff away. What are we yeah. giving away? We're giving away Brewers tickets. We're giving away WKGY stuff. we got the War Pigs tap takeover and half-price wings.
What a Can't beat it. And we got some on my pizza if you want to come in and share that. Brady's got a tab open all the way until close. So get down here. Thanks for tuning in, and thanks again, Bill. Uh, all right, buddy. Appreciate it, man. Wisco Sports Show back tomorrow. Uh, thanks to Tony back in the studio. You're listening to WKTY. Cross 96.7 FM 580 AM.